You know, it's amazing what um, the Lord does with people that are absolutely, completely lost and have really no redemptive value at all in their life. And how he can take someone like you <coughs> and turn you into an, a different being, a new creation, a totally different species a being and turn you into from a sinner into a saint you know you, you ever heard people say I'm just a sinner saved by grace well if you do a real study in the scripture in the New Testament um, none of the apostles uh, call the saints called Christians sinners it's only mentioned twice he called us all of the apostles in their writings, like Peter, James, and John. Paul, when they wrote, they said, to the saints of Ephesus, the saints of Galatia, to the saints of the church. And he called you saints. So you're really not a sinner anymore. Amen. And I've heard people say, yeah, but I still sin, so I'm still a sinner. Ruth! Ruth! Does that make me a dog? Meow. Does that make me a, a kitty cat? It doesn't make you. A sinner is not just a title of something you've done. It's what a person is before they're born again. When they're born again, they're transformed and transfigured. The blood of Jesus washes every sin away. Every sin. Let me say that again. Every E-V-E-R-Y. Every sin is completely destroyed, annihilated, done away as if it had never been. And he recreates your spirit. And your spirit is regenerated, it says in Titus 3, 7. That you're not saved by any work that you've just done, but according to his mercy... He saved you. And the word saved there is the Greek word sozo. And it literally means saved, delivered, completely established in every blessing of God. Your spirit gets regenerated like a generator. God steps inside of you, Holy Spirit, and regenerates your spirit. And he fuses you. With himself which is love God is love and love steps inside of you Whoa. and your body becomes the temple and becomes the members of Christ and your spirit is now a spirit of love light because God is love right and God is light. And in him is no darkness. So if he stepped inside of you. And he comes. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, 16 teaches us. Jesus said that the entire Godhead. Would come and make its abode within us. Now it doesn't fill. Every one of your memories. And your thoughts. Your imaginations. Your intuitions. Your mind. Your will. Your emotions. He doesn't fill all those areas. Those areas. Must be 
subjected to yieldedness to the love of what? Or the walk of love and to the following of Jesus through the power of what he accomplished at the cross. And when you know that up here, it starts changing the way you think. And the way you think becomes changed. And how many of you know the things you think the most about is what you talk about? And as you talk, you then release your belief system about who and what you have now become. Not because of anything you did, but because of what he did through his creative work. Because he stepped inside of you and you're now hosting God. And every one of you in this room, every one of us here, our potential is so far beyond what we can even imagine, even what we can even ask or hope or think for. He is about to bring forth a people on this planet that the world has never seen in all of history. Somebody open your Bible to Joel chapter 2, verse 2, and stand up and read it if you're a reader. Joel 2.2. 2, and read it out loud. Joel. Joel 2.2. 2. Do I have a reader in the house? Do you hear that? An army is coming in the days of darkness that are upon the earth. How many believe that it's getting really dark out there in the world's systems and the world's ways? Really, it's getting really dark. Now, we're invading it, so in some places it's being transformed, transfigured, and people are being translated. Some places, that's what we are. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're going in and we're invading regions of darkness. And we're invading with the love of God and the light of God. And every place we're invading is very dark. And the light overcomes the darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. That means it cannot stay, cannot resist it. Because the light of God is so bright and glorious. It's so glorious on the inside of you that it can, from your spirit, as you yield and say yes to the Lord, especially in the highest kind of love. How many know the highest kind of love there is is sacrificial? It's the highest kind of love there is. Um, it's a sacrifice for a mother to receive seed and become pregnant and bear that baby and then birth that baby. That's very, very painful. The greatest love seems to have pain involved in it because of love. Love conquers the things that cause the pain in society. It conquers it and overcomes it and transforms it from hate into love from sorrow into joy 
But it takes someone that loves enough that is willing to give enough. And the more that you give of yourself, the more you become like Jesus. And actually, the greatest giving I've learned to do, and it's really, I, I love it when it really truly happens, when I feel myself inside completely let go and really let God. And I cease from my own even trying to sacrifice or do good and cease from my own living and my own life and I let him live through us. I'm bringing all of this up because we're in the days when God's raising up prophets like the earth has never seen for the purpose of training and equipping and activating people into the anointing the prophets walked in. Now, the anointing of the prophets, we think, when we think of the word prophet, we have a funny idea about prophets. And this, this that I'm talking about tonight is about, there's, right now there's, there's two movements in the earth. A true movement and a false movement. There's always a true and a false. How I many know there's always a true and a false? And then there's the misty shade of gray where people are making decisions to go one way or the other. And they have to decide. And they have to make that decision. Because you automatically are drawn toward the dark side if you stay in a gray area very long. You have to find the wisdom to move into the light. And so there's a, a true prophetic movement going on in the earth right now. In the church world that, that we're a part of, I've been in this. I remember when the prophetic movement was officially acknowledged by the lead prophets in the nation and leaders that are very renowned and well-known. And I was there and I was a part of that. And I, and I, and I remember when it was birthed. Before 1984, the prophetic was there it's always been there since Adam. The prophetic has been in the earth always. But it was um, faded away to where people no longer believed. You know, in the 70s, nobody believed there was, or very few people believed that there was, that apostles and prophets were still in the church. They just thought there was evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It wasn't popular at all to... Uh, somebody to announce you and advertise you to come speak and he's a prophet. And in the 70s, they didn't come running to hear prophets. They came, if they came, they came with a, um, with a bucket of rocks. And uh, people didn't believe and they were pressured and, and afflicted and called you names because they said there's no such thing as prophets anymore. In the 80s, it started becoming more and more prevalent because the Lord raised up more and more and more prophetically gifted people and raised up some actual prophets. Um, there was a lot more people that want that that were want to be prophets than there was prophets. There is today too. Prophets are different than people with prophetic giftedness, and those things are very important to know. Tonight I'm going to talk a few minutes about that and I want to take you into some things because he's told me to talk about false prophets and true prophets and what the difference is and what is a prophet really supposed to do. 
you noticed when I started talking, I started talking to you about what the Lord has done inside of you and what you now are. And I talked to you about sacrificial love and laying down your life. And I talked to you about the cross of Jesus Christ. And about loving him so much, you're willing to let him completely have his way in your life. And learning to love that way. And, and we don't know how to love that way. And we can't learn that up here. Or we can't just say, I'm going to love him more. We have to ask him to help us learn to love. Which he does. He puts his love in us. And he changes us into love. And sometimes we're aware of it. And we can feel it and sense it. We get the glory bumps. and You know, get emotionally flushed and feel it. Oh, it's so wonderful. Isn't it so wonderful to feel the presence of God? How many like to feel the presence of God? Oh, it's just... I say that acting kind of silly because girls just adapt it so easy, but men, I don't know about all that. You know, a little more resistant to, because of the logical side. Women are more prone to be sensitive emotionally. Intuitively, things like that. And uh, so in, in saying all of this, in this true and false prophetic movement, right now, in the church world, I've been uh, training people in this ministry, as my wife said. I've been involved in it around 40 years. Um, I, I'm still in school. I'm still learning about this. Anybody still learning? We all are. I found that if you get a real revelation of Jesus the prophet, you understand what the prophet's really about. How many of you understand it? He was the prophet. The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like me from the midst of the prophet. Prophets are, are prophets because they're so madly smelling. They start acting and moving. They start God. And they so give themselves to God that they call the representative of God. That's how you know a true one or how accurate word of knowledge they have. Those things are needed and very prophet. Does he reveal God? Does he reveal Jesus? All prophets in the Bible that prophesied from of Jesus Christ. All of them, when they prophesied and they wrote their prophecies, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you start naming them all, Enoch, all of them, when they spoke and did what they did, it wasn't them doing it. It was the spirit of Christos within them or the spirit of Yahweh in the Old Testament. And he came into their thoughts and into their minds. He didn't regenerate their spirit and they weren't born again. They weren't recreated. Nobody was until Jesus went to the cross. Died on the cross and rose from the dead. Now you're regenerated and born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It takes the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to recreate your spirit. You know that stuff that raised Jesus body from the dead in the grave that's what it takes to recreate your spirit his resurrection and life that's what it says in Romans 
chapter 6, verse 4. How God raised Jesus Christ from the dead by the glory of the Father. So also you. That's the next phrase. In other words, you were dead in trespasses and sin, but he raised you up by resurrection life. His resurrection life came into you when you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead. And then faith flooded into you and you believed. At that moment, boom, bang, wow, flash, bang, boom. Fried by the fire of God and transformed and transfigured into a new species. And it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's what's inside of you right now. Wanting to be revealed. And prophets have the gift of declaring it with the actual very word substance that created whatever God wanted to create. That's their gift. They are declarers. They are decreers. They speak in a creative way. Because the Spirit of the Lord is so strong in this house tonight and so touching so many people's lives. And, and uh, there is an anointing that's permeating even the darkness and destroying poverty, sickness and death, grief, disease, hindrances, blockages and stops, terrible things that divide families, terrible things that cause families to go through great pain, that cause individuals to hurt, to sense. Maybe death it would be better than this. People get homesick for heaven when they're going through something really hard. You ever know what I'm talking about? And he comes and destroys that in families' lives. And he removes it by declarations that come, Thus saith the Lord, and they are so full of fire and life, they can destroy and set in order anything that's happening in a person's life. And in one moment, in the twinkling of an eye, everything is transformed and transfigured and changed. And God drives out the powers of darkness and removes the veil of darkness and death and brings life and resurrection and abundance and loving kindness and tender mercy. And he changes and it affects the whole family. It can hit one person in the family. And it can go through that whole family. Like an airborne dis-ease, except it isn't dis-ease. It's his yoke that is easy and his burden of light that shines in the midst of the darkness. And the darkness cannot stay. Cannot. And all the confusion and order of things. The lack and want and loss. Suddenly, God says, now I'm going to take it and turn it into gain for the whole family. And the gates of hell can't stop me because I had a man and I had a woman and I have a family. And they cried and wept and I will not leave it undone. 
They believed in my cross and loved my blood and the blood of my son. And I will not ever allow the enemy or the works of darkness or anything dark or diseased. It will never conquer what I have promised I would do. And I'm bringing it to pass tonight in you, says the Lord. And you cannot, you cannot refute a word that comes through a true prophet. And I tell you, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing. In a case where there's covenant, <laughs> it doesn't require your perfection. Just a continual referral. Oh, Jesus, it's because of the blood of your cross. I am fall short. I'm imperfect. But your great love overpowers all. And anything that would be in the way that would stumble is removed because you are the Savior and not me. Isn't that... Isn't that wonderful that God would do that for us? Now, in talking about the prophet's office, it's been devalued by the move of God we're in right now all over the world. Well, that was rather blunt. Yeah, I meant it to be. The true office of the prophet. Every believer can move in prophetic giftedness, but not every true believer can be a prophet. And when believers prophesy, they prophesy from the gifts of the Spirit. But when a prophet prophesies, they prophesy from the gift of Jesus Christ, who is the prophet. And it is a different authority. It has to be. Because the prophet's ministry, male or female, young or old, doesn't matter what creed, tongue, what color you are, background, rich or poor, bond or free, Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter. When God has ordained and put it on you, and you have that, it is of a higher order and greater power than what's on your everyday believer. And here's why. Not because he wants to make a person greater. Because anybody that wants to be a prophet got to be have a screw loose. Because the training for it is very severe. And it's long and tedious. And it never stops. And you're not, Remember the prophets. What did it say over there in Peter? Remember the prophets? For they are the example of all long-suffering and patience. And they are. And there's a special grace for that. How many of you here have been through a little long-suffering and, and patience? We all need it. There's greater degrees of it put on prophets, male and female, because they're going to distribute it to so many other people. They have a greater degree of sensitivity to usually visions and dreams and spiritual manifestations. It's an endowment and a gift. They're given a stewardship to do it. Now here's the unique thing about it. He usually finds the weakest chiefest of sinners, maybe the less 
the, the least educated, sometimes, not always. They come in all different packages. But they're usually really have a lot of need. They usually have quite a few quirky things wrong with them. Does anybody in the house qualify? Amen. He seems to pick out the ones that are the hardest to, to deal with. Why? Because it takes more grace. And where does grace come from? From him. So nobody can take the glory. Nobody can say, I'm special. God did it for me because I'm so brilliant, handsome, tall, short, wide, muscular, figurative. I'm a ooh-la-la, so God chose me. He doesn't look at things that way. He will use the most educated, most brilliant person in the room. David was brilliant. Study his life. Take a look at Daniel. Wow. The intelligence in the first two chapters of the book of Daniel. And what is released there. On Daniel, to Daniel, and through Daniel. Is dumbfounding. The guy was, like, was endowed with super learning. The Jewish nation. How, how many think the Jewish nation has some pretty intelligent people in it? Amen. Has that kind of proved out a little bit, you know? Do you know that that Einstein was an intellectual prophet. Did you know that? Did you know before he died, he, he, he confessed that he believed in God. And from his understanding, he didn't know who this Jesus and Yeshua was. But from his understanding and looking into even scientific evidence of his understanding and the light and the creation and the way the universe was created, that if anybody could save humanity, it had to be God becoming light and entering a man and, and, and creating some kind of super intelligence to deliver them from the darkness of ignorance. He had some brilliant things to say. The prophets that God is bringing forth are going to be varied to reach in. Now listen, prophet, the word prophet has a stigma on it. When you say prophet, people have an idea and they all have their own concept in their mind. Oh, a prophet, yeah. And they have this idea about, you know, long beard. Woe unto you, vile creatures, you know. The, the lonely prophet in the wilderness treading along, wind blowing in his face. Which is where he took them. To forge them in the furnace of affliction. To where they, they were, they were, they are always made to know there's nothing they can do about anything. He will put them in situations and stretch them beyond their own ability to even cope with it mentally and emotionally. They're utterly dependent upon the Lord. And you know, I, I know why he does it that way. Because he wants every single one of us to look at that and say, God, maybe I'm a prophet too. I fit all of that. Do you fit all of those things? Does those things sound like they can be personally applied to your life?
at being utterly dependent, unable to cope, emotionally weak. You know, a lot of people in the Bible, the prophets were accused of being like insane. They called them nutcases because they saw things in the spirit. They knew things. They spoke things. And they described it in a way that nobody understood. Oh, I saw a beast had 14 horns and 33 eyes. <laughs> that guy is a wacko. But it was all spiritual symbolism. That and the fact that in the other realm there are creatures that look like that. True and false prophets is so important that we understand that the heart of a true prophet will lead people to amazing things. Now, I'm going to sum this up about the next 15 minutes, okay? First, I'm going to read you a story. We're in the days when John the Baptist, the ministry of John the Baptist, is being birthed right now to prepare the way of the Lord and make ready a people for the Lord Jesus to return. How many know Jesus is coming again? Um, the Jesus said of John the Baptist that John, this is Elijah who is to come and, when, and he will come and restore all things. Well, when he was talking about him, he had already been uh, executed. He'd already lost his head. But he was saying that Elijah would come again. See, there is a spirit and power of Elijah. Luke one seventeen says, um, concerning that day and he will and, and the spirit and power of Elijah will rest up on him speaking of the last days and a great harvest of people and he said the spirit and the power of Elijah will rest upon him and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children next part and turn the disobedient the lost to the just one Jesus there'll be a harvest of souls coming. In Acts chapter 2 it says in the last days he's going to pour out his spirit in all flesh his sons and daughters will prophesy. The old men will have dreams. Young men will have visions on his maids <coughs> servants male and female. They shall prophesy. They're called bond slaves. Love slaves of Jesus. They will prophesy and he will show up. That's a different realm than prophesying and having visions and dreams. That's a lot higher anointing. And they shall prophesy and he will show. God will show up. And then it says this, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Now blood and fire there, it's not talking about God pouring blood out of the sky and, and fire coming down in lightning bolts and uh, out of finger people's fingertips. That can happen, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about two ministries. It's talking about the ministry of blood in the old is found in the Old Testament ministry of Moses. What did Moses do when he went into Egypt and he what was the first thing he did? Do you remember? Took his staff, the rivers, the creeks, the streams, people's jars in their house with water in it, everything turned to blefices, and he uh, uh, when they got ready to go out and he conquered Pharaoh's house and cook the lamb and eat it and take the blood and put it in Pharaoh 
and all of these wicked people that persecuted and hated you, male child in every family in Egypt is going to die. So put the blood over your door, the blood. Amen. That you're involved in the covenant of the blood of Jesus. There's going to be prophetic ministry come forth, and there's going to be the ministry of Moses. Who's the prophet of fire in the Bible? Who? Elijah. Who else? Anybody else? What was it? Elijah. Who was it? Elijah. Elijah. Elijah called down fire on people. He called down fire from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. He was the fire prophet. So the Moses and Elijah ministry and the spirit that was on them is about to come up on people in the body of Christ. Anybody up for some of that? Now John the Baptist, see he was the forerunner of Elijah and he prepared the way for the Lord. Are you guys still with me? Would you like me to read you a story? I'm going to read you a story. This is Matthew chapter 3 in the Passion Translation, um, New Testament. It was at this time that John the Baptist began to preach in the desert of Judah. His message was this. The reign of heaven's kingdom is about to appear. So you better keep turning away from evil and turn back to God. Isaiah was referring to John when he prophesied. A thunderous voice. One will be crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye. Prepare yourselves for the Lord's coming. And level a straight path inside of your hearts for him. For the Lord. This is preparing for the Lord. Now John wore clothes made of camel's hair. Tied at his waist with a leather strap. And his food consisted of dried locust and wild honey. A steady stream of people from Jerusalem and all surrounding countryside and the region near Jordan came out to the wilderness to be baptized by him. And while they were publicly confessing their sins, he would immerse them in the Jordan River, the baptizer. And when they saw many coming from among the wealthy elite of Jewish society and many of the religious leaders known as the separated ones, the Pharisees, we saw them coming to witness the baptism. He began to denounce them, saying, You offspring of vipers, you who warned, who warned you to slither away like snakes from the fire of God's judgment. Wow. I like that. Does anybody like that? I like that. He's talking to these people that are now listen, real, genuinely, like poisonous snakes that poison everything and everybody they get around. And they're destroying a whole nation and taking them into bondage and turning them away from God. And John the Baptist is rather indignant about it. He has the same fiery anointing on him as Elijah. And he's coming again. And he's coming on company of people. And raising up an Elijah company of people. And they will want to turn people. They will have so much love in them. 
They will be a bride that will turn people toward the bridegroom. And they will prepare the bride and make ready the bride for Jesus. You women are all, your eyes are all gone. You get it. Men don't get this bride thing. Even though we're called to be the bride. Aren't we men? Aren't we called to be? And ladies are called to be sons of God, aren't they? Actually, only the bride can birth. When the sons of God are birthed, the manifestation of the sons of God, well, you haven't seen that yet. It's going to be a worldwide move of God that's going to shake and rock and change and transform everything. The only one that will be able to birth the sons of God will be those that have become the bride of Christ. Revelation chapter 12, the son clothed the woman. She's pregnant, ready to birth. The dragon is at her feet, ready to devour the child as it's born. The man-child is caught, and immediately, as soon as it is born, it is caught up into the heavenly places and untouchable. And this woman there, she's pregnant, and she's a virgin. Just like Mary was a virgin. And she's pregnant. Supernatural conception. The birthing, the bringing forth and birthing of the manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestations of the sons of God are going to be those that live, walk, talk, act, breathe, completely, completely, perfectly sinless in all of the anointing Jesus walked in when he walked on the earth, when he was alive, in the days of his walk as a man on earth. It's going to happen again. Anybody here want to be one of them? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know if what you're saying is true. I haven't heard this strange fire. That's okay. It's all right in the Bible. I'm giving you all kinds of Bible verses and scripture. And uh, how do you know if I'm telling you the truth? How do you know if what I'm saying is a, a true message of what a prophet would say? And I'm not claiming I'm saying the true message of the prophets in the Bible. I'm talking about those prophets. I'm talking about the prophet Jesus. How do you know what I'm saying is true? What is, what is it requiring of you? What is it asking you to do? Who is it exalting? Where is it taking you? What is it causing you to yearn for, long for? True prophets make you want to fall in love with Jesus. They challenge you to holiness and the fear of the Lord. Of reverential respect that says, oh, I don't want to do that. I like the anointing better. I don't want to lose any of this. Not for that. That's the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It causes you to depart from evil and from iniquity of doing your own thing and fall madly in love with Him. You know true prophets because they love Jesus. You know true manifest sons of God are going to come forth. And you know the bride is going to be a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. And that's who and what you are. And my commission in life is to tell you these wonderful things that are from the Bible. People call me a prophet. You know it means nothing to me. It's honorable. It's because I know who the prophet Jesus is. But I'd rather say, people said, oh, Timothy Sherman, Wow, he reminds me of Jesus. I'm going to see him. You're going to see him. We're going to look in his eyes and behold him. And he's going to say something to you. 
He's just going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine standing before Jesus and, 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 and having to drop your eyes? I, I don't want to drop my eyes. Do you want to drop your eyes? No. You want to behold him and look into him. You want to go into his eyes. You want to... <sighs> this is about Jesus. The true and false prophetic movement. The false prophetic movement will get you involved in all kinds of distractions. It'll, it'll highly exalt gifts and do very little. You know, people are all the time talking about, yeah, it's about having godly character. The word character is mentioned, I think it's three, maybe, maybe four times in the entire New Testament. We think character is a big deal. God's not all that shook up about you developing character. Oh, you walk this way and you go through this. God's going to take you through this. and You need to practice these things and be disciplined and get, so you can have character. How many have heard that your whole life? It's not true. It's another false doctrine that teaches you to fall under the power of self-striving and keep the law and do everything perfect. You can't develop your character. He develops your character by you living from the nature of Christ in you. You are partakers of his divine nature. And you have escaped the corruption that is in the world that is caused by, death, uh, caused by, by, by lust. And then it names nine character traits that you receive when you live from the nature of the glory of Christ in you. And you do it through his exceeding great and precious promises. Another way you know new, true prophets, true apostles, is they will always tell you, you can't do it unless you fall in love with the book. Because the promises of God are in this book and they're covenantal promises and they are forever settled and heaven and earth will pass away but they will remain forever. And this word cannot be changed. It's infallible and it's the words of God. And the character you want comes through the divine nature of God living through you and you yielding to it. And you do that through loving his word and embracing the promise of the covenant here and the promise of the living covenant inside of you and the voice in you and the visions and dreams that he gives you and all the wonderful spiritual ways he opens you up to and he begins to develop you into a supernatural person who can live in this realm and see and operate in and understand the invisible realm at the same time. And you can live on earth and walk in heaven at the very same And that's the reason we do schools of prophetic ministry. To train and equip people. Not to become prophets. But to fall madly in love with the prophet, Jesus. And he will, he said, I will uh, uh, raise up from the midst of you a prophet like unto me. And him shall the people hear. And whoever does not hear that prophet, Jesus... It's a capital P. It's found in 
Malachi, it's found in, in Deuteronomy, it's found in Numbers. The capital P, look for big capital P, that's Jesus before he became a human. The promise of him. That's Yahweh in the Old Testament who became a human being. Yahweh who became human. In the New Covenant, he changed his name to Yeshua. Yeshua. And he is God. And now, he has multiplied himself by coming into your body and living through you. And he has many sons called unto glory. Jesus was the first of many sons called unto glory. He was the first of many sons called into glory. The first of many brethren. The first of the new creation. A whole new species of being. A whole new... Jesus is the federal head of an entire government of people called the kingdom of God. Hence the only hope. I love Trump. Where'd that come? I love, I love what he's doing. He is messing up the political systems. He is shaking them. Oh, they, can't, they hate him. They can't stand him. I love what he's doing. He's been sent by the Lord. We've cried out for a move of God in America. We've cried out for it. Now, I'll, I'll say all this and not say much anymore, and people will go away and say, wow, he's prophesying Trump's going to be president. And I never said that. I didn't say that. I said God's raising him up. He loves America. He's been hearing our prayers. And he's messing with the big boys in all the political arena and the special interest groups and all the power brokers and the people that thinks they can rule over America and move America where they want to out of greed and avarice and power and, and drive us into things that this nation wasn't created for. And we need to pray for Donald Trump. And I'm telling you, but this... From the prophetic voice of the Lord Jesus, the man has to be protected. They're going to try to kill him. They're going to try to kill him. And we will not stand by and let it happen. Do I hear an amen? amen. Not Cruz, not him, not Rubio, not Kasich. I don't, none of them. I don't even want to say Hillary or anybody else assassinated. <laughs> Only ones that are going to be assassinated are the ones God's ordained. There's a bunch of us that could be a part of that assassination. Anybody want to be a martyr? Jesus was. Oh, not me. I don't know. No. Are you going to die someday? Well, if you're going to die someday, why waste a good death? Catch on fire for God. And when it's your time, go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> why waste a good death? <laughs> you don't have any fear of death, do you? Come on, do you, do you have fear of death? No, you don't have any fear of death. You think you do. Your mind, your, your stuff will tell you, oh, 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 you, you'll fight for, for survival. But when it's your time, you'll be amazed how easy you slip on over to the other side. 
Death has no sting and hell has no victory. We don't have the fear of death. We fear nothing of the camp of the enemy. Nothing of the things that are temporary now. Because the sons of God, when they come forth, they're going to conquer death. And there will be a whole multitude of people that will overcome the last enemy, death. And not only that, will so put on Jesus and so be filled with God, they will begin to renew their youth as the eagle. And they will run and not be weary and walk and not faint. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. There is a people coming forth on the face of the earth. And we live in the days and the times of either being those that birth it and bring it forth or so preparing the last moments of this time for a generation that's about to be born. Anybody want to prepare for your future generations? Why not go for it all? There's a true and a false prophetic movement. I've been involved in this prophetic movement, in this prophetic movement. There's a lot of really weird stuff, you guys. It's not God. We're operating in gifts and visions and spiritual things and and because we're we're baby and we're young and we're babies in this whole spiritual thing and and we should be practicing and learning and you gotta make mistakes to learn and you can't learn if you're afraid to make mistakes and but you want to do it right as you can so you're trained and you seek the Lord and you're in love with Jesus and and you love people and, you, and you, 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 you're making sure you're not just trying to be I'm spiritual I got a vision I'm the one with the word of the Lord. All of that kind of stuff. Be, beware. How it'll try to come on you. I've had a ball doing this for close to 40 years. Especially the last 30. Since time's been really fun and time's been really hard. I've, I've seen phenomenal things. If I'm going to write a book someday about my life and when I do people will say I don't know if I believe all that I'm serious it's that off the charts do you know true prophets try to do everything they can in secret they don't try to set it up to where everybody sees them so they can build their ministry they let the Lord promote them they're actually really yearning to promote Jesus. Not to promote their great ministry. Boy, that, that has an edge on it. That's kind of dividing asunder soul from spirit. Joints and marrow. You offspring of vipers who warned you of the slither away like snakes from the fire of God's judgment. You like the emphasis I put on? That was John speaking to the Pharisees and hypocrites. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. You don't presume you can get away with merely saying to yourselves, but we're Abraham's descendants. For I tell you, God can awaken these stones to become sons of Abraham. The axe is now ready to cut down the trees at their very roots. Every fruitless rotten tree will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Those who repent, I baptize with water. But there's coming a man after me who is more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. 
He will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with the raging fire. He comes with a winnowing fork in his hands and comes to the threshing floor to sift what is worthless from what is pure. He is ready to sweep out of the threshing floor and gather his wheat into his granary. But the straw he will burn up with a fire that can't be extinguished. Then Jesus left Galilee and came to Jordan to be baptized by John. And when he waded into the water, John resisted him, saying, Why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And yet you come to be baptized by me? Jesus replied, It's only right to do all that God requires. Then John baptized Jesus, and as Jesus rose out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of heavens, out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I greatly love. He is the greatest delight, and my delight is in him. You guys enjoying the drama? Are you seeing pictures? The word is a picture book. It's amazing. It's alive. It'll take you, and in a moment, translate you back in time 2,000 years ago to be right there at the Jordan River. Your spirit can time travel, you know. It's made of light, different light than the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's made of eternal light, not limited to time or space. That's your spirit. That's what your spirit's made of. You can time travel. You can be trained in that. You can know. You can have secrets and keys. The Lord is now opening them up to everyone whosoever will. You can partake of all that he desires and become all that you were created to be in this generation, a generation that's never been before, nor will ever be seen again. Joel 2.2. I'm going to finish this up right here now. As they were leaving, this is Jesus and John the baptizer. Uh, Let me start here. After Jesus finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. Now while John... The baptizer was in prison. He heard about what Christ was doing among the people. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Are you really the one who prophesied who is to come? Or should I still wait for another? John was becoming. He was wondering if this Jesus that was baptized by him. Is really the one. Because he's facing death. And he's at the place Jesus was. When Jesus was being tempted to say. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was tempted, and he overcame. He conquered. John was tempted, and he overcame. Jesus came to help him. 
And Jesus answered them, Give John this report. The blind see again, the crippled walk. Lepers are cured, the deaf hear. The dead are raised back to life, and the poor broken. Poor and broken. Now hear the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. And after they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What kind of man did you see when you went out into the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who could be easily intimidated? Who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in splendid fashion of the day? Those who wear fancy clothes? Live like kings in palaces? Or did you encounter a true prophet out of the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past. But he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of scripture. See, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. That's the true prophetic. That's the true prophets. Moving what we're moving into now as the body of Christ. Great shaking is taking place. Chuck Pierce gave a word January 13th and it said he's going to, over the next six months, he's going to shake everything and leaders and foundations and it's happening in our government. It's happening actually in the church world. There's all kinds of things happening. There's a great exposure coming in the body of Christ. in the middle of the great exposure of the falsity it has to happen because in highly spiritual prophetic dimensions there are many visions and dreams and things that are ministered to the body of Christ directing and guiding people's lives utterly failing and there are many people giving visions that are of their own imagination and not of the uh, and of course, the imagination is important and, and it's a gift. But there is a, a purification process that the Lord is bringing in to purify our words, our dreams, our visions. He wants to do it because if, if it doesn't happen, and he is doing it, if it doesn't happen, the New Age movement is full of visions, dreams, spiritual manifestations, the moving of energy, lights, colors, auras, frequencies, sounds, all of these things which are real and belong to us have been stolen. They have been used and abused and they've mingled in in prophetic circles. Boy, this is so fun teaching this. Uh, Timothy, if you teach that, don't you know you're going to scare people to be afraid to move into the prophetic? Well, if they're really called and really love Jesus, they will follow the Bible and they'll spend time with Jesus and they'll move in the prophetic. But they'll do it in, 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 with a heart to do it in purity. With a heart to do it to glorify Jesus, 
to draw people to Jesus, to not self-promote. Oh, you should be gratified inside and feel good about who and what you are. And it's great to do something really great and say, whoa, man, this feels good. I love the way I feel. I'm all right. That's good. He wants you to have that. He wants you to be that way. Confident in Him. But He wants you to give it away in purity. And the true prophetic movement is about to be born because what it is right now is very infantile. People, A lot of people think the prophetic movement's over. It's just now ready to start. And we are going to see the highest level prophets and prophetesses and children and teenagers and people of different ages, the elderly. And we're going to see them begin to move in not just high words of knowledge, but high impartations, high repentance anointings causing conviction, high love for God, high transforming of their soul, changing and transforming people's lives. And us not just having a spiritual club that we're just having a bunch of fun with, even though it should be fun. Let's get drunk and prophesy. Yes, I'm up for it. A new wine. But with purity. Does any of this make sense to you guys? Is this okay? Because, I, you know, there's not that much correction going on or speaking into this sort of thing. And it has to be spoken into because of what he's going to birth. He told us what we're going to, he, he's made it real clear that what's going to be birthed here, what's being birthed here, is going to cause people to be able to walk in a glory, in divine character, through the nature of Christ that they've never walked in. And we're going to really see our nation turn back to God. Do I hear an amen? amen? Let's all stand up. Thank you, Father. Well, did anybody get anything out of this? Did you like uh, having a story read to you? Can you believe that's the Bible? Isn't that a great translation? We... Mary's not here tonight, but we usually have them out there on the table. You can get them from us. Uh, passion translation. Anyhow, we're going to do an offering right now and give you a chance to sow into our ministry. Um, I, I know there's some people here very excited about giving money to Jesus. I know they love to do that, right? Because you know that when you give money to Jesus, he gives you more money back. And then you can have more money to give to Jesus and to help people out. And to, anybody want to pay their bills? How many want to pay their bills? How many like to be able to drive a new car? I believe in all that. I believe in prosperity. I believe in prosperity. I believe he wants you to prosper and be in health. I believe he wants you to have abundance. He wants you to live in a lifestyle where you have overflow so you can give to those that have not. And you can bless many people. So we're going to give you a chance to do that um, right now. I want everybody to just, with me right now, touch the heart of God and ask the Lord to put faith in your heart and then for you to do what you so desire to do in sowing seed from your own heart I don't think the Lord necessarily tells everybody what to give. I can't find that in the scripture. 
but he does give you the faith to give. And if you um, will listen to that nudging in your own soul, your own spirit will actually challenge you to giving that will cause you to really prosper. And so it's like planting a garden. You plant more seeds, you get more harvest. So we're going to pray about that right now. And I want you to just uh, touch the heart of God. And Father, what everyone does, I ask that they would do it because they love you, that this is a love offering. And God so loved the world that he gave. And we're your children. We love to give. We live to give. So we open our hearts right now. In the name of Jesus.